Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Power From Port podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and today I'll be reviewing Showdown 50 in round 21 of season 2021. But before I do, let's all just take a deep breath. Because we bloody needed to after that weekend. So... The final score was 7 goals 13-55 to Port Adelaide, defeating Adelaide Crows 7 goals 9-51. The leading goal kickers on the night for Port were Zach Butters with 2 goals straight and singles to Mitch Georgiatis, Ollie Wines, Aratio Pantasia, Sam Pau Pepper and Charlie Dixon with the match sealer. Major ball winners on the night were Travis Boak with 27 disposals, 15 of those contested, 9 kicks, 18 handballs. Ryan Burton with the 26 disposals, 11 of those coming contested, 18 kicks, 8 handballs. Ollie Wines with, also with the 26 disposals, 11 contested, 15 kicks and 11 handballs. So my initial thoughts post-match uh, were the same as just about every Port supporter and I don't really want to um, swear too much on this podcast but my initial thought was thank fuck for that um obviously i mentioned in my preview that um uh it could be a grind much like the first showdown was uh turned it into a grind and but then we broke away in that first showdown to um go on to win quite comfortably and there was always that uh there was always that risk especially after the week that they had had and as a whole not being as talented and skillful uh, and generally in form as we are. Um, they really brought us down to their level and just made it a dog fright, a dog fight rather from uh, the first minute. Um, I breathed, I breathed a huge sigh of relief after the game. Uh, once all the adrenaline wore off, uh, it was much more comfortable to taking away the four points from the match because it could have easily gone the other way. Um, I, uh, I I knew from pretty early on that we had the showdown medal sewn up for us. Uh, I think we all probably were thinking the same thing and the commentary to go along with it made it pretty clear. We just had to get the win and... Um, uh, yeah, I, I was watching it with my brother, and we, yeah, you could tell early on he was having a big impact, especially with the ball going down uh, that section of the ground a lot. You could tell that, uh, yeah, all we had to do was win, and he had it sewn up. Um, with our uh, forward thrusts, I thought we were quite poor going forward. Uh, again, uh, like... Looking at the overall stats, and I was talking to a friend of mine who's a Crow supporter uh, throughout the night, and uh, as she mentioned to me, we, we led pretty much all the major stats, and, and that was kind of throughout the game. Um, there were ebbs and flows to a degree uh, of some of those key statistical markers, but we were we led most of them, and we looked... I don't know if we looked like the better team, but... Um, with a few link-up chains, uh, we could have got on top, even with all that pressure coming. Uh, but it was just that last kick or second-to-last kick going forward that let us down and kept allowing Adelaide to apply pressure to us. However, when we did get it in there, um, 
we still didn't convert as well as we could have. And we finished the game with four more scoring shots. So uh, looking at the game as a whole, uh, had we cleaned up a few things going forward, we may have made it a little bit more comfortable for ourselves uh, as a whole. Uh, Crows, in my opinion, were always going to come and they had a taste for it early. So we weren't going to shake them off too easily. They've obviously shown earlier in the year with matches against Geelong in round one and then the Melbourne game that if they get a sniff and if they're on with their pressure game and you as the opposition, us in this instant, kind of take your foot off the pedal or aren't up for the fire or don't come to play, whatever you want to say, uh, they can really make you fight for it for the whole day. It has been a marker of their kind of season. Um, so I, I felt that we left a few goals on the table and particularly in that second quarter, we went goalless, obviously, but we still had some great looks at it, um, in my opinion. And a couple of goals either way um, for us. And yeah, we're, it's much less nervous going into half time, and um, we don't have to do as much groundwork coming out the back of that half time break. All in all, though, I do feel that just with all the circumstances leading into this showdown, it was. Adelaide's grand final that they were playing for. Uh, they've got nothing. I mentioned in my preview, they've got nothing left in the season to play for. And as well as that, they had nothing to lose going into it. Matthew Nix would have wanted the players to show Australia what they kind of stand for as a club um, off the back of the Taylor Walker incident. And yeah, they if they could take nothing else out of the back end of the season, they would have wanted to take that showdown. And that was their grand final, especially because they haven't beaten us in the previous uh, three showdowns. And then you lump on the two preseason showdowns. And as someone pointed out in a uh, Port fan page, they uh, lost to us in the, the cricket bushfire showdown as well. So... That, that definitely would have been some of the messaging coming from Matthew Nix leading into the game. Like It's been a while since they've tasted victory over us. Fair enough, the SANFL side beat us, but that's not what they would have come here to play for. They would have wanted uh, four points on the AFL ladder. and um, it, it required a, a big game from a lot of their senior players, and I thought that that's what kept them in the game for the four quarters was their senior players stepped up and some fringe players probably playing some of their best games. I thought Chase Jones probably played his best game uh, for them. Uh, Riley O'Brien probably played his best game for the season and their uh, informed players also played to their level. So to go into our line breakdown, I'm obviously starting from the back lines as I do every week. So with the defence, I thought it was our best line and it very well needed to be. They'd had a couple of quieter weeks uh, in regards to the other two lines and we needed them to continuously stand up and absorb so much pressure, particularly in that first half. And I thought they did that admirably. Um Led by our captain, Tom Jonas, the eventual showdown medalist, Alir, Trent McKenzie looking comfortable. They're really working 
well or they did work well on Saturday as a unit to really nullify as much of those Adelaide forward thrusts as possible uh, because Adelaide were really pressing up on us and it made, a, it made it a struggle for us to rebound outside 50. Um, and, yeah, they, they needed to stand up in a big game and they did, in my opinion. Um, solid intercept play by the defenders. There were a lot of intercept possessions looking at some of the defensive players' breakdowns. But as well as that, uh, great disposal efficiency working out of defensive 50. Tom Jonas, uh, Alia Alia, Houston and McKenzie all upward of 75%. Jonas and Alia above 80% disposal efficiency. And then you had Burton, DBJ and Bonner in the high 60s. So probably a bit lower than what they would have wanted, but um, pretty close to the game average and the league average with their disposal. So when you've got some rock solid six or seven players in that back line, absorbing all that pressure, but then releasing it by using the ball well, rebounding out, that's vital, as vital in any match, but particularly the close matches and the high-pressure matches, a la finals, uh, which this showdown, and much like a lot of showdowns generally are. Um, I mentioned the Crows tool forwards in my preview that although they had a big hole to fill with Taylor Walker going out, uh, that they were all still capable uh, with Phil Thorpe and Himmelberg being quite tall and Fogarty being a bit of a unit and such an accurate uh, kick for goal. I thought Fogarty started the game well and he obviously had that shot on goal and got the high praise from the commentary team. Uh, he had a couple of looks at it after that and, you know, <laughs> I painstakingly mentioned in my preview that if... I had to choose anyone to kick a goal for my life from anywhere on the field. I, I would pick Darcy Fogarty because he is such an accurate kick. And Mark Rusciuto mentioned his most accurate kick for goal this season. Uh, so it was good to see him miss a couple of shots late. I thought our defenders, especially after half time, I thought they did well to push Adelaide's forwards to the pockets and making them kick for goal from harder angles. In the first half, we saw a lot of overlap goals for Adelaide and Fogarty's first shot was from a good position. Um, so, yeah, I, I noticed in particular, you know, Phil Thorpe's shot on goal. Uh, Fogarty had that kick out of bounds in the second half from the pockets. And it, it's something that we've employed in the past. Uh, the, the game that sticks out to me the most is that qualifying final against Geelong last year where we pushed... Uh, Hawkins to the pocket, making his uh, like lowering his percentages in terms of conversion, and it worked for us then. And there's no reason to say why it won't work again going forward um, for some of those bigger bodies. Um, so moving on to my best back, really, uh, I don't really need. It's no surprise why I'm going to pick Alir Alir. Like I mentioned, he had the showdown medal sewn up very early in the match. We just had to had to get the win, and he was awarded accordingly. So Aaliyah finished with the 21 disposals, nine of which were contested possessions, 17 kicks, four handballs, 11 marks, 16 intercept possessions, 10 one-percenters, th also three inside 50s to go along with six rebound 50s and a huge 400 metres gain. So there's stats everywhere for Aaliyah. He had a couple of quieter matches against... 
GWS, uh, Collingwood, um, and then even uh, against St Kilda. Just uh, still doing some of the one percenter work, some of that intercept work, but hadn't really had a standout game like we had seen him more in the first half of the season. But you know, high pressure situation requiring our backman to absorb a lot of uh, forward thrust by Adelaide. And to really show his seniority against the likes of Himmelberg and Thilthorpe, who are only uh, fairly young players, um, I thought he did that well. <clears throat> Excuse me. He was, the, like I said, more senior player, more experienced, uh, bigger body, in form, and he just put him to the sword for the most part. Um, and just his ability, when he's on, just his ability to impact a contest, you know, getting a, a knuckle in at times to prevent uh, the Adelaide forwards getting a mark or a crumb front and the centre in front of goal to push it out of bounds or help us reset, just to uh, sway along the ground, reading the ball from afar coming forward and deciding whether he needs to stay on his forward or play ahead of his forward and then when to break off and just impact someone else um, when it's working like that, it's really attractive because Mackenzie and Jonas and Burton, they all play taller than what they are. So they do need that aerial support. Uh, and when Illyrial is on his footy IQ is fantastic, knowing when to help out his mates who may be undersized or maybe in a vulnerable position and yeah, just get something to the ball. Uh, to prevent the opposition from marking it. And it, it's just a standout of his game when he's on, and it was a standout of his game on Saturday. My honourable mention for the defence line is Ryan Burton. Hasn't that guy been in fantastic form over the last month? He's really building very, very nicely heading into finals. And uh, so to go through his stats quickly, he's 26 disposals, 11 of which were contested possessions, 18 kicks, 8 handles. He had the 10 marks, 3 tackles, 9 intercept possessions, and 9 rebound 50s. Um, there's just some... He also had the humongous 500 metres gained, which I think was our leading uh, player for metres gained. Yeah, it was. So uh, there's just some players that when they're at the top of their game, they just... <laughs> they they have a certain football aesthetic that they just look really good. You know, their kicks, their running, like he glides along the ground. His foot to uh, his sorry, his hand to foot connection when he kicks the ball, and just putting it on a string for his teammates. Uh, you know, he is one of those players. I can't really think of another example off the top of my head right now, but. Just some of those footballers across the league and across time, you see, they just have that pleasing football aesthetic when you watch them. When you watch them, it's really visually pleasing to see them play the game of football. And Ryan Burton is definitely one of those players and definitely one of those players that we were screaming out for before we acquired him from Hawthorne. And wouldn't they love him uh, back there uh, at the Hawks? Um I don't know whether they would take that trade back now, but too bad they they can't. And we've just got an amazing young player um, who will be in that back line for many, many years to come. Uh, 
And if he can impact like that and build that as a baseline for his career, that's pretty, you know, I'll take that. Absolutely. He was our leading player for uh, fantasy points as well. So uh, take those with whichever way you want. Some people, you know, don't really focus it on that much. Some people pay a lot of attention, but uh, Ryan Burton had a fantastic game and just, yeah, I, I, I can't speak highly enough of his burst speed um, to go along with the confidence that he has in his body and um, really, really adding that edge to our team. Again, in a finals-like game, hopefully that can be a snapshot of what's to come uh, for the rest of this season. Moving on to the midfield, uh, I mentioned in my preview that if it was going to be anywhere that we were going to be tested, it was going to be in the midfield. Obviously, that being Adelaide's best line, as I mentioned, uh, that was going to give them, the Adelaide Crows, uh, the best opportunity to win. And as it turned out, excuse me, as it turned out, that's kind of how it happened. Um, You had the likes of Laird, Keys, Sloan, uh, Seedsman and Smith on either wings and Riley O'Brien all playing a really good game, in my opinion. Uh, I mentioned before, I thought it was Riley O'Brien's best game uh, for the season. Uh, Keeping in mind, I don't watch Crows games uh, all the time. I do kind of pay attention to them somewhat, being an Adelaide team. um, Uh. But just kind of looking from afar over the year, I, I don't think he's played as well as he had last year, and I thought it was his best game. Um, Keys did apply a tag. I predicted it to go to Ollie. He went to Boak and held Boak kind of quiet in the first quarter, but Travis, as he does every every time he gets a tag, uh, he just worked through it, pushed on, kept making sure he could impact as well as he could. And I thought, yeah, he kind of made the tag a little bit null and void, um, involving himself around the ground. However, uh, Keys, I, I felt, still impacted himself and, and he rewarded himself with goal. Uh, Seizman looked dangerous a lot, running up and down the ground. Um, and Laird just has that canny, uh, uncanny, should I say, ability just to get in everywhere. Um, he's a low centre of gravity and... Um, a real good contested player. So our midfield was tested. And with all that having uh, been said, I do feel that we were up for the challenge. Like you just had to watch, I watched the game on Fox Hill and um, uh, their pressure gauge was through the roof um, for both teams throughout the night. So we were applying a heap of pressure. We were up for the fight, but their Midfield um, in particular was just as much up for the fight as we were and returning serve with those precious stats. Um, going through some key statistics, which generally generate from the midfield, um, and with these two in particular generally contributing to us winning a game, contested possessions, we won 165 to 155. Clearances, we won 36 to 33. And as it's been spoken about at length, this year, we win those two statistics. We win the game, and again, you can put a tick next to that one. We also won the hitouts, thirty-seven to thirty. So, although O'Brien had uh, a great game, in my opinion, I thought Lysette contributed well. Probably uh, not 
as well as he would have liked, but he's a man mountain and he had great support from Laddams, who I thought um, impacted uh, better on the night than what his stat sheet probably would have read. I thought Laddams took a lot of good marks around the ground and he really should have finished with a couple of goals to his name. It was a little bit disappointing, particularly his first shot on goal, which I think was in that second quarter um, uh, that we went uh, goalless. Uh, so overall, our ruck tandem beat uh, Riley O'Brien, who had support from Himmelberg that didn't really affect much. I thought, yeah, we uh, did well to to beat O'Brien in the middle. Um my best mid for the night was Ollie Wines. Um, maybe could have given it away to someone else, uh, like Travis Boak, who did finish with more disposals. But I felt that Ollie Wines' game was uh, amazing, and he could have broken the game o- uh, game open on his own. Uh, he had the twenty six disposals, eleven of which were contested, fifteen kicks, eleven handballs. He also had the five marks, five clearances, seven score involvements. Uh, one goal three uh, coming with the 461 metres gain that he accrued. Uh, I imagine just then one goal three, he had so many good looks at it and um, was providing a bit of a difference up forward because I don't know if... So Ollie, Ollie and Boke, for that matter, they are known to rest in the forward lines this season as a way to, you know, help reduce that rotation off the bench. Um, I don't know if Adelaide would have planned for Ollie to rest up forward as much as he did. And um, the commentary team were lauding Wines with just his ability to get, you know, the contested marks and potentially impact on the scoreboard. One goal three is not a good return. And, um, you know, he split that, if he splits that 2-2 two, two or kicks three goals, one, yeah, it's another step on the way to us winning a bit more comfortably. And um, just just one contest I wanted to speak about, uh, it's not really that important, but it kind of bugged me the amount of attention it was getting, uh, probably more so from the Crows supporters. But uh, he had a one-on-one with Tom Duday in... Um, what was it, the third quarter, uh, where Duday initiated contact from the front and Wines just straight up and down beat him in the contest. He, he pushed him aside, but from the back, and there was a little uh, bit of feedback about whether that should have been a free kick or not for taking him out of the contest. But I think it was Dermot Brereton in the telecast mentioned that if the defender initiates contact, particularly from the front, umpires generally let it go but uh, if it, if one player ends up being pushed out of the contest because at the end of the day it is a contest and Wines was just straight up and down stronger than Duday you know good on Duday for getting front position and trying to uh, initiate body contact but he he just didn't win and Wines took the mark and he kicked the goal um nothing more to it in my opinion uh thanks for that and move along. Um, my honourable mention for the showdown was uh, from the midfield was Willem Drew. Uh, th- this guy just continues to impress uh, not only me, but I think the wider Port Adelaide audience and uh, the football audience. Um, coming into the season, 
the AFL media and uh, opposition supporters would not know, <laughs> wouldn't have known. I, I remember, actually remember earlier in the year, um, some friends of mine, you know, watching a port game and seeing this redhead fellow in the middle uh, getting possessions and making tackles and saying, you know, like, who is he? And I was like, it's Willem Drury. Um, obviously, I know who he is, um, being a devout Port supporter. And uh, last year didn't help uh, with the injury and, and whatnot. But yeah, no one really would have known him at the start of the year. But he's definitely made a name for himself, I feel, this season. And he just applies himself with great tenacity um, on the contest. And whatever job that he's given... He takes on with full force. He finished the game with 23 disposals, over half, 15 of those contested, 11 kicks, 12 handballs, 3 marks, 10 tackles, 7 clearances, a huge 27 pressure axe going at a disposal efficiency of 78%. And I guess he gets my honourable mention particularly because someone mentioned on a Port fan group, he only played 59% game time. And look... I'm not going to go through everyone's percentage of game time. I don't know if that's somewhat normal. Obviously, you've got Ollie and Trav resting in the forward line, so that would probably give Drew chance to rest on the bench. But 59% game time, and as this person mentioned in that fan group, that return statistically, you would bank on that for someone playing 85% game time, but for him to do it in just over half the half the game... Uh, is amazing. Um, that's fantastic. And yeah, like I said, his ability to pressure and make good decisions when he has the ball is just vital. And I've mentioned a couple of episodes ago, I think, that, um, you know, had Rockliffe not gone down with a long term injury, Drew may have found himself in and out of the team at various stages, maybe having the occasional quiet game, but the fact that he's had clean air just to work on his game for the whole season, um, he's really built and built and built and built and built to the extent that the I feel that the opposition have to really put some work into him or, or really take him into consideration, um, knowing that if they are going to apply a tag to Boak or Wines, that Drew's probably going to pop up with 25-plus possessions or thereabouts. Um but as well as that is he can also tag the tagger and apply that amazing tackling pressure, the hassling that he does, and just the surety that he has in and around the ball. I think it's great. It bodes well because, again, he's another young player who we'll have for years upon years uh, from this point forward. Uh, couldn't be any happier uh, with his return thus far. And, Again, let's hope he keeps his form. He's probably in the top five best and fairest for me at this point in the season, just through sheer consistency and impact on the contest. Um, I don't think too many people would have predicted that at the start of the year. So uh, that's fantastic. And, and you know, out of that 2016 draft group, um, uh, yeah, it's another tick for me. Um there's not much more to say on Willem. Really impressed. Um, I'm just going to take a quick break and have a drink of water and I'll go through my forward lines and uh, the rest of the wrap-up. 
Okay, and I'm back. Uh, let's get into the forward line. So uh, the forward line probably didn't probably didn't eventuate how I expected uh, with my preview. They uh, struggled for room all game. Uh, the Crows made a, a real tight, contested kind of one-on-one game, and every kind of forward thrust that we tried to make, they really cramped us for space and made it difficult for us to get some clean uh, clean ground to lead into, some clean air to mark, and um, uh, they really put a focus in squeezing us all around the ground, at, you know, going back to that high pressure gauge that they show on Fox footy uh, didn't help. Um, I did, however, think that the forwards all did well to um, come up the field and try and impact around the ground when things weren't quite working uh, for them up forward. And, you, you know, it's all well and good to stay up forward, but if it's not getting up there, you're kind of just wasting time on ground. And I felt that, you know, there was time, various times throughout the whole game where I saw all of our forwards work up to those wings and even half back just to uh, impact on the contest and try and put their little stamp on the game, at, um, adding their attributes to the contest. Uh, so it's good to see that although, and with uh, Charlie Dixon and Peter Laddams good at their contested marking, giving a target coming out, um, Georgiatis is quite athletic and, uh, you know, Gray and Fantasia, Rosie and, and the like, uh, all fairly nimble. Uh, uh, I did notice them trying their best to impact on the contest and coming up the field when the ball wasn't quite coming down the forward line, uh, particularly in the first half. And on that first half, I thought, uh, we received some pretty poor inside fifties, uh, just that, just that first, uh, well, sorry, that last or second to last kick going inside 50, we'd made some good chains and uh, it's kind of those, uh, there was small indicators for me coming off the back lines that showed me that we were still the better team on the night, again, with some of those stats backing that up, but it was that second to last or last kick going inside 50 that really burnt us and uh, half the time I thought it was unforced, we just hit the side of the boot or uh, be a bit casual. Uh, there was one kind of theme um, in that first half that we were a bit casual. We're trying to be a bit too cute and any team trying to be too cute against a fired up opposition is going to pay for it or they're just not going to be able to capitalize on their possessions. And to go off the back of that, uh, I, I mentioned earlier that we did end up with more shots on goal. Uh, so we were getting it into position to score enough, but I don't think that we capitalized as well as we could have, um, particularly in that second quarter. Um, but it's all throughout the night, um, fair enough, you know, teams miss shots on goal, but, um, yeah, I, in my opinion, I felt we left some goals on the table and some goals that I've mentioned a couple of times already could have given us some breathing room to either not hold on to a lead early, but, you know, hold that breathing space to then maybe change uh, our game plan or make the Crows change their 
look on the game and how they wanted to attack the contest. But take some of those opportunities and we get back on top and goes a long way to maybe breaking them down. Uh, but we provided them enough for them to still have a sniff at it and uh, with enough ammunition to keep coming at us for the whole game. So could have converted a bit better in my opinion and yeah, made us look a bit better. I, I did put the mocker on Charlie Dixon and Fantasia in my prediction. I predicted uh, Charlie to be best on and for Fantasia to be the big improvers. Again, it was made a little bit hard by the way that Adelaide was structuring up and some of our possession going forward. Uh, you know, it was a, it was interesting in the first quarter, the commentary, you know, mentioned uh, it was Andy Maguire to Jared Healy mentioned, you know, are you ready after a, a an in-the-back free kick got paid? And uh, it's just amazing what happens with the relation between AFL media and, and some of the rules or rule interpretations coming into each game and each, in each week. Um, so like, obviously it got noted that Dixon was getting the rub of the green in terms of free kicks in the latter parts of the second half of the season, whereas he'd only got one free kick from 14 games uh, to start off the year or, or something like that. Something ridiculous like that. So he's got the rub of the green as well as that. Some of, our dubious free kicks, maybe for the pushing the backs, were highlighted in the week. And it's just funny to see how uh, some free kicks are being paid against us. So obviously there's been a message there to pay attention to it. But as well as that, the commentary team maybe being informed that that was going to be a focus. It may have been a card slip by Eddie that he may not have, should have, or maybe, maybe that's a bit of a conspiracy theory on my behalf. But... It's just a bit frustrating, again, that there's rules of the week or, you know, umpires because they can't do their job one week, they have to overanalyze it another week. Um, so on top of that, on top of, you know, Charlie Dixon getting the rub of the green, I felt that I felt that Butts did a good job as a whole on the night, but I felt that him, as well as the defensive group for the Crows, got away with um, manhandling Dixon, Um a bit more uh, than, you know, what he's been rightfully getting free kicks for in the past and especially in the past month. So it didn't make things easy for him. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think it was more so the structure that Crows were employing uh, that didn't provide him or, or Fantasia with the best looks at it on the night. Um, so... Yeah, I obviously doing a review is much easier than doing a preview. You've got the source material all there. And me as a person, I generally don't like to predict much in the world because you know how quickly things can go against you or you just know in reality that things don't always work out the way that it may seem they will. And <laughs> yeah, um, got those ones wrong. Um, so... With that being said, uh, the best forward was a bit tough to, to choose with them not all having standout games. And um, I've picked Mitch Georgiatis as a true forward. Um, he finished with the one goal, one, 12 disposals, uh, five of those being contested. He had the nine kicks, three handballs. He finished with seven marks, which is a, a great stat. Um, and three tackles. And all of those were three tackles inside 50. So. 
he got it based on the fact that he's a true forward. He spent most of his time up uh, in the offensive half. And uh, maybe, you know, Zach Butters kicked the two straight. He may be a bit unlucky, but Butters was good all round the ground, I felt, and wasn't a true forward. I thought he benefited off the work of a couple of other players um, to impact on the scoreboard. And, yeah, I, I liked Georgie Artis. I feel the one goal one isn't a true reflection uh, of the way he impacted. He had that shot on goal early where he didn't even make the distance. And having that shot again, you'd bank him to kick that goal. Um, and like I mentioned before, as a whole forward unit, him in particular, I noticed coming up the ground and with Marshall going out of the side, uh, it's important that he obviously got instruction to do that, to kind of fill that role where um, we needed a bit of link-up play. I feel that Marshall was probably the better out of the two with that, but I felt that Mitch Georgiatis uh, worked really well for the whole game to impact on the contest and probably should have had a better return uh, for his effort. And when he's applying the three tackles uh, inside 50, that's all you want from a forward, applying pressure to make it difficult for the opposition to come out the back of. So, yeah, George has got my best forward. I love his the way he goes about his business. And as a 19-year-old, I think he's just, with that one goal, gone up to the 30-goal mark for the season. And I feel you as a supporter and him as a player, if you got asked at the start of the season, uh, is Mitch Georgiatis going to kick 30 goals? You'd take that, um, absolutely. Uh, my honourable mention, again, could have gone to maybe someone else. But I had to give my honourable mention to Connor Rosie. Uh, his stats didn't light up the page or anything like that. He finished with the one behind, 16 disposals, seven of which were contested, which is good, seven kicks, nine handballs. He had two clearances. He had three inside 50s and three score involvements. So um, it's not exactly a... It's not exactly an honourable mention because of the stats that he put on. It was more like his watching the game, just his impact around the ground and just his ability to keep his feet under pressure now. Um, it's something that he's really worked on and is a key attribute for him now in the concert. He just looked damaging. Anytime he was near the ball... It just looked like he was going to do something creative with it, and more often than not, he did. He really impressed me uh, throughout the game. You know, when Adelaide were on top early, he was still one of the players that I felt were damaging in the telecast with a bit of razzle-dazzle, as it was called. Just looked like he could turn any moment in our favour and always... In the back of his mind, it looked like he had an option to go to or a play that he wanted to create. Uh, with the, the goal, uh, St. Paul Pepper's goal to get us in front late in the fourth quarter, that was, uh, you know, those little death taps by Rosie, which I don't think would get marked down in a stat sheet. It's just those little things around the ground just to keep the ball alive and keep it moving forward that impresses me most about Rosie. And, Having that week off probably helped him. I felt he was building before that week off, but obviously he needed it to refresh. And coming back, 
Uh, I've been really impressed. He obviously handed that second goal off to Butters too when he easily could have ran in uh, to kick it himself, uh, coming off the back of an, uh, a foxing style intercept that he made uh, at, on the half-forward line. Um, uh, yeah, he, he really impressed me. And it, in a big game with that X factor, uh, we saw it in the preliminary final against Richmond. Um, just has that ability to make the opposition and particularly the opposition defence panic. He, he just, I can imagine as an opposition supporter, if he's in and around the ball in that kind of form, that dynamic form that he seems to be in at the moment, I would be panicking uh, being an opposition supporter. I'd be like, I'd be fretting that he's about to, A, keep it alive and set someone up to do something. He just has that aura about him and, you know, I we all saw him in his debut year. Uh, personally, for me, um, he's probably ha- he probably had the best debut season from anyone I've witnessed. Ollie Wines was definitely up there in um, 2013, uh, but just some of the freakish ability and freakish things that Rosie did in his first season just blew me away. And we know he's had his issues, uh, particularly with injury over the last couple of seasons. But it's stuff like that that he's coming back into now, thankfully. Um, And it could be vital come the pointy end of the season. So he gets my honourable mention. Excuse me. Um, So moving on to our hot and cold players. Um, My hot player for the round, and I dedicate this one to a friend of mine, Elodie. Uh, Elodie, if you're listening, you'll be quite happy. My hot player goes to Miles Bergman. Um, fantastic game by Miles Bergman. He finished with the 23 disposals, 11 of which were contested, 13 kicks, 10 handballs, 2 marks, 4 tackles, 7 intercept possessions, 4 clearances for himself, 4 inside 50s, and a massive 373 metres gained. Um he was my cold player two weeks ago, um, or uh, and uh, he, um, he he wasn't necessarily playing terrible football. I mentioned in my cold player uh, review when he did get it that he was fairly unlucky um, at the time. But I had a couple of quiet weeks and um, probably left a bit um, out. Uh, left a bit on the table in terms of his performance. But in the last two weeks, he's just lifted again. And he's building another great year. Um, uh, you've got to be impressed with him. And, uh, you know, I really hope that he does get that Rising Star nomination. Not that I think that he could win uh, the whole thing, but it's just a great marker and it's a great uh, reward for effort just to have that on your resume because he has had a great year. And... Um, uh, he just looks like that type of player that, you know, once he gets, once he gets, you know, 50 game mark plus uh, or 100 game, he's just going to be a solid, solid player. He looks comfortable. Um, uh, sure enough, in my opinion, he took a little bit to become accustomed with the contest. Um, but once he, once he was comfortable in the match, um, he he just had the ability to get around the ground and impact well, use the ball well, 
and I, I couldn't be any more impressed with him. Um, he's obviously got a good head on his shoulders. Uh, last year being a challenging year for any first-year player, and uh, we did notice that he was an emergency on occasion, but it's really hard not having second-tier football. But he had a really great attitude. Um, I've heard him in some interviews say that, well, he didn't have much football in terms of proper match, uh, like second tier, that real match day opportunity to ply his trade or whatever. So he decided to hit the gym, get a bit bigger knowing and having feedback from his teammates that if he was a little bit bigger, he'd be able to hold up in more contests this year and just uh, outlast the game and just be a bit stronger for, for it. And, so he went to work, he built on his frame and uh, it's obviously paying dividends this year because he hasn't missed too many games. Um, he's been the Medi-Sub a couple of times and um, maybe missed one or two other games, but he's putting together a solid year and I, I kind of get the vibe from him that he's quite an intellectual individual out, uh, you know, in a comfortable setting and outside of the... Uh, the limelight. Um, he lives with Xavier Dersma, who's a good young role model, uh, a good buddy for him to live with. Um, but I've just seen Miles in a couple of post-game interviews and, and on the radio. Uh, he's just a bit nervous. He's got those uh, young player nerves when talking to the media and in interviews like that. I just want a bit more. I just want to know everything about him. Um, I just want him to talk about the game. Like I think he knows the game i think he 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 has a good footy brain i just want more i just want more of him uh, i'm really impressed with him uh, i hope he really finishes off the year well and and the fact that he was a forward drafted and then got experience on the half back line and then throughout injuries this year he's had a lot of opportunity on the wing so he's really been able to work on so many facets of his game that i i think has contributed to him becoming more comfortable and having more to offer come this end of the season. So my cold player for the round, probably a bit unlucky. I've given it to Orazio Fantasia. He finished with the 12 disposals, six and six in kicks and handballs, three marks, one tackle, which is a bit disappointing, uh, and the one goal one going at 42% disposal efficiency. Um, like I said in my forward breakdown, it was a average night for the forward line they had little to no opportunity they you know they had to really work hard for it and um yeah he did some good things around the ground i thought um there was one passage of play in particular where there was a loose ball on the ground and he kind of had to dive and do a bit of a volleyball dig to zach butters who then i think kicked it to mitch georgiatis for a shot on goal um, you, you know, that kind of sticks out in my mind. He did kind of try, um, <clears throat> but, uh, you know, some other bottom end players for the game, I felt there was some mitigating factors or, or weren't, you know, haven't had a run of cold games, you know, for this, the criteria I kind of hold for this segment is that you need a couple of weeks, two to three weeks of low form for me to kind of pick that. And yeah, just with that in mind, he is coming back off of that long stint off uh, out with the injury. So it, it again, it is a bit unlucky for him. 
Um, but yeah, a couple of weeks, not a huge return from him, but he'll be better for the run. Uh, we knew how well he was impacting at the start of the season. So yeah, after a couple of games back now, um, I'd expect him to start picking up on his form. Um, just another note for Orazio. I've noticed, and I think it was highlighted in the commentary, that he's getting some marks um, forward to centre and trying to fox the opposition into giving away a 50-metre penalty. Just get that out of your game. It's not necessary, and you might have got away with it in the first half of the year, but the umpires are wising up. You know, that they're not going to pay it, so don't do it. And with the couple of times that he did try to do it, if he went back and tried to move the play on a bit quicker it probably would have put us in a better position to score or move the ball into a damaging position um, to have it a, have a look at it. So, yeah, just get, it out, get that out of your game. Focus on the task at hand and work to your strengths. So to wrap up uh, the best on ground, um, no huge surprises here. The three votes go to Alir, two to Wines, and one to Burton. I feel those were our best three players on the night. Um, as reflected in my uh, line breakdown. So my final thoughts for the match. Um, I wanted to make a point of SPP. Um, Sam Pepper, probably a lucky one not to get the cold player. Um, I really liked how he started in the middle. I don't think it would be something that Adelaide would have prepared for, um, playing predominantly forward this season. Uh, but we all know how well he can impact, impact in the middle. And I, I feel it was a two-pronged decision. A, because he has spent so much time in the forward line, just keeping him, and he has had a couple of lean weeks. He was my cold player last week. He has had a couple of lean weeks. So A, to get him involved in the contest early, similar to how they put Dixon in the ruck against Fremantle earlier in the season. And B, just knowing that he can split open a contest and be that battering ram player, knowing that a showdown's going to be hot early, and he has form in the past in that middle brigade. Um, so I liked it. I liked him starting there. He probably could have spent a bit more time there. Um, so his first quarter was good. I thought he kind of fell out of the contest in the middle two quarters, and coming into the last quarter, if he didn't have a good one, he probably would have found himself as the cold player. Um, just falling out of the contest, missing some tackles too. Um, and for me, I think of SPP as a ball. He should be making some tackles, kind of going one-handed or being tricked into some candy by the opposition um, and not going for the hips. It really, it's a real bugbear of mine at the football. Players getting sucked in when just read their hips and apply the pressure and make a tackle. Yeah, they may get a handball off, but it's going to be under pressure and it may go straight up in the air if you're taking the body. Um, but I felt that his last quarter really redeemed himself. He may have got a rocket at three-quarter time. I'm not sure. Uh, but, you know, he kicked the goal to get us in front off the back of Connor Rosie's good work. Um, he impacted contact. I feel, I think that, <clears throat> excuse me, he was involved. He actually kicked the inside 50 that got it to Dixon. Uh, to kick that match ceiling goal as well. So I felt he really lifted when we needed him to in the last quarter. So he really bookended the game for me. Um, and he, he's going to have to be careful. He, he, You know, we've got Motlop potentially coming back. 
this week. Just needed a drink of water. And, um, yeah, so he's going to have to keep his form up to make sure he maintains a position in that forward line because it could, with a strong team and our best players coming back, he could find himself out of the team if he doesn't keep up that consistent performance. But, yeah, really impacted when we needed him to, so I was impressed there. Um, look, if anything else, like I said, it was the Crows' grand final. We can, It was an embarrassing half from us. Something, Nothing to write home about. Um, but if you can take a positive out of this game, it was a finals-like tune-up, um, which is good right now. Um, with a couple of rounds to go, uh, one really important game in the last round against the Western Bulldogs, and then with finals beckoning, uh, that type of showdown, although it wasn't probably a showdown that we uh, predicted going in, it was exactly what we needed, I feel, um, at this point of the year. So keeping that in, in mind, um, we'd want to perform earlier, uh, better earlier against a better quality of opposition, but just having that test will bode well going forward. Um, and look, when you look at the competition, we were the only team, or the only top team not to lose in round 21. So anything can happen. I mentioned, I don't know if it was in my preview for this match or the review of the GWS game, but tipping's a bloody nightmare at the moment. And this week is no different. I haven't had a look. The round's not finished, but uh, yeah. I mean, we were tested. The Bulldogs were tested. Sydney were tested. Geelong were tested. But... We were the only ones to come away with the four points. And you've got to be happy with that because it puts us in equal top position on points and everything going to plan in the ne- in round 22. Uh, we could be playing the Western Bulldogs for a top, uh, top one or two position. So for us to be tested, although it wasn't something that we would have expected or wanted going into the game, we got the four points and we're in a great position. Um, can't be unhappy with that. Um, so for those following my best bets, uh, my best bet uh, was Dan Houston to get 20-plus disposals. I felt that he would get them in a bit of a different manner to the way he did. Uh, I thought that we would be allowed a bit more of a free-flowing game and he would get a lot of rebound, much like he did um, in this, was it the Collingwood game? Uh, the St. Kilda game. I'm not sure. One of the two. Um uh, but he had to work for it, and I think he was maybe a bit unlucky not to get the honourable mention for the back line, but, uh, yeah, he cleared the 20-plus disposals. So if you're following those, we're two from two for my best bets and um, look forward to getting another one for you guys uh, next time around. Um, look, hopefully we're back at Adelaide Oval next weekend. Um, it would be really great because that's our last booked uh, home game, A, to be able to see Travis Boak live after he's cleared the milestones and um, just to see the team off uh, for one last time in the minor round before finals. Uh, we'll wait and see. It's all up to the chief health officers and, you know, different bits and pieces. There could be a capacity limit like this one. So, um yeah, I predict us to go unchanged as well. It'll be interesting. I think Marshall will um, play a game in the Magpies 
next season. Uh, sorry, not next season, next game because he didn't get utilised um, on the weekend with the Medi sub. We didn't need to use him. But um, so, yeah, I expect us to go unchanged. Um, we'll see what happens. But uh, look, that's all from me. Um, for those of you who have tuned in or listened to me, um, whenever that may be, thanks for doing so. I really appreciate it. Um, if anyone could just give me a like on Facebook, that would be really much appreciated. I want to build that up. Um, join in on the conversation. I'm posting a couple of times a week in and around uh, the matches and just different bits and pieces through the week. Uh, if you have listened to me on any of the major podcast platforms, I'd really appreciate a rate and review. Uh, that'd go a long way for me to getting up there and showing my content to more people. So, um, yeah, hopefully a good review. <laughs> um, but if you could do that for me, that would be great. Um, and just to finish off in the great words of our captain, Tob Jonas, a showdown win is a showdown win. Fuck yeah. So that's all from me and bye for now.